the book of Revelation, chapter 3 is where we left off in our verse-by-verse study together through God's Word. Revelation chapter 3 is where we left off. Revelation 3. All right, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. Thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness, your loving kindness, your grace that continues to flow in our direction. We just want to just give you thanks and praise this morning for who you are. Thank you that you've gathered us here together. Lord, a special time that you allow us each week, special times you allow us to gather as a family. And as we do, Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. We thank you for how you love us and how you cherish us and for how you nourish us, Lord. We are in need of you nourishing and feeding us. Lord, as you taught your disciples, give us this day our daily bread, not just physically, Lord. We thank you for that, the physical food you provide, but we thank you for the spiritual food. And as we open your word, we pray that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, that we would make adjustments, that we would be encouraged, that um, we would know your heart, we would know you more, that we might walk in your ways. So we thank you for all the great things you're going to do this morning. And it's in your precious and your holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right, so remember where we are, just in context, in the book of Revelation. Jesus is giving report cards to seven churches that had existed in John the Apostle's day, correct? And so not only are those churches that existed um, in modern-day Turkey when John the Apostle was alive, but these, you can find these churches throughout church history from the beginning of the inception or the birth of the church, even to today. We can find ourselves, listen, we can find ourselves in any one of these seven churches, Corporately, And if there's any church that we want to be a part of, it's Calvary Chapel, West Houston. (laughs) Amen. But it's this church we're going to look at this morning, the Church of Philadelphia. This is a church that we, that, because we want the amen of the Holy Spirit, you guys. We want to, hopefully we want to please Jesus, correct? And we find out as we look at these report cards, what pleases him. What displeases him? What church should look like? You know, the world has lots of definitions, and and there's lots of books written about what a a healthy church is, what a a great church is, but we want to know what Jesus thinks. And so not only do we want to know that corporately as a family here, as the body of Christ here at Calvary Chapel, West Houston, but listen, you can find yourself individually in any one of those churches as well in your walk with the Lord. And again, we don't want to find ourselves in a few of those churches, but this is the church we want to find ourselves in, is Philadelphia, because there is no correction whatsoever for this church. There's only commendation, there's only praise, there's only promises that are given to this church, and it's glorious. So we should really want to tune in this morning. We should always want to tune in to what God has to say through His Word. As we open it up, but especially here, what pleases the Lord. And so this is the missionary church, the faithful church 
the one that's preaching the gospel, making disciples. I'm going to read verse 7 down to verse 13. And it says in God's word, Revelation 3, 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. Jesus says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so I think one of the beautiful things about this church, they're they're doing what God had called them to do. They're making disciples. they're They're preaching the gospel. And Jesus says, you've been faithful to do this, and I'm going to open another door for you. That's what we want. We want the Lord to open doors that we can walk through to bring him glory, to bring him honor. So he plans on opening a door for this church. Let me draw your attention to verse 7. It's written to or given to the angel of the church. And you guys remember this Greek word angel. It means literally messenger in the Greek. In the New Testament, it's either used for a ministering spirit, i.e. an angel, or a physical minister. In other words, a pastor, a leader in the church. It is my opinion that this letter was given to the lead pastor, the senior pastor, in order for him to share it with the entire congregation. And so it's given to this pastor, and he's to communicate faithfully what's been delivered to him. Notice the city. This is Philadelphia. And you guys know who comes from there, the Phillies, the Eagles. Don't need to talk about this city, do we? (laughs) Philadelphia means city of what? Did I hear brotherly shove? (laughs) Brotherly love, right? It's, It's interesting because these cities, again, Jesus uses things from these cities to bring to bear a spiritual truth that he wants to communicate to the congregation that he's speaking to. What do I mean by that? This city was the youngest of the seven cities we've looked at. And by the way, you guys remember, there's this, in the back of your Bibles, you can look at all seven churches. They kind of form like this rough circle. The mail would be delivered beginning there uh, in Ephesus and go all the way around the horn, ending in Laodicea. And so this is the last stop for the mailman, um, and it's this city of Philadelphia. 
And what's important about that is this city had a major highway that went through it. And the city was developed. It was a young city by this king and his brother. They had brotherly love. They loved each other so much. They wanted to bring Greek culture not only to that city, but also as kind of a missionary base so Greek culture could spread throughout all of the modern-day Turkey, all that area, to the barbarians, the uncivilized people. Again, so that would be why Jesus is using this city in that way or to bear, bear to light the spiritual truth is that this church is given an open door to bring the gospel out, major highway, to go from there to reach many people. Not only that, this place was known for earthquakes. I come from Southern California. I am familiar with earthquakes. If you've ever been in an earthquake, it's pretty gnarly, isn't it? It's so weird because you have, you have no control whatsoever. And some of them are like huge. Some of them are just like tremors, like that. But it's these people, why is that an important like, component of what we're talking about this morning? Because Jesus said, what was one of his promises to the overcomer? I will make you a pillar in the house of God. A pillar is stable. It's, there's no, no more you're going to have to go out and leave, be a refugee, leave the city because of the earthquakes. There's going to be stability. You don't have to worry about earthquakes anymore. And so beautiful how Jesus uses those things uh, within this letter as he writes or he, as he gives this letter, dictates it. And so he identifies himself in verse 7. How does Jesus identify himself? Three things he says. He who is, what does your Bible say? Holy. He, so Jesus says, he who is holy. What does that mean, holy? It means set apart. It means distinct. It means unique. Jesus is separate. He is distinct. He is unique in who he is and all his ways, you guys. His love for you this morning, listen, his love for you this morning is a holy love. There is no other love like it. Our, our love, our fleshly love, is, is uh, selfish so often. It's, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. Jesus' love is it's agape. It's unconditional. No strings attached. Looking for nothing in return. His faithfulness is holy. His goodness is holy. There's no, no other faithfulness, no other goodness like His. He's always faithful. He's always good. He's always, and He's true. That's the next thing He says. Jesus is what? He is true also. And by the way, Jesus is called in the New Testament, the Holy One. He's called the Holy One. He stands alone. He stands alone and apart from anyone that ever lived or ever will live. He is separate, distinct, unique. He is true also. Jesus is the truth. He speaks the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can, that means you can rely upon him. He will always tell you the truth. And I like that because I, a lot of people feed me lies. There's a lot of lies out there, a lot of deception, a lot of nonsense. I can always look to Jesus. I know he is true. He is genuine. He's the real deal. That's what that word means. He's genuine. There's no falsehood in him at all. He's not fake. He transcends time, culture, everything, and his word does too. He's, he's, listen, he is, he's always hip. He's always current. He's always fresh. And so is his word too, by the way. It transcends time, culture, everything, you guys, no matter what. It's so great because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always true. His word is truth, and it will always be truth. Notice he's got something, too. He who has the what? What does your Bible say? Key of, key of David. 
If you have a key somewhere, it means you have what? Authority, access, you're able to open up and to shut out, correct? And that's what he says there too. Jesus alone provides access. He opens and no one shuts. He shuts and no one opens. Jesus alone restricts access. And if you're taking notes this morning, this phrase, the key of David, goes back to the book of Isaiah. Remember, there's 500 and about 550 Old Testament references in this book, back to the Old Testament. It comes from Isaiah 22. Here's the context. There was this leader, um, it's a reference to the keys to David's kingdom. There was this leader named Shebna who misused his authority. He misused the gifts that God had given him. And Isaiah approached him and rebuked him and said, your, your power, your authority is going to be stripped away and it's going to be given to another guy named Eliakim. Now, in a messianic sense, speaking of the Messiah, the promised Savior, it means that Jesus Christ has all authority in God's kingdom. In fact, we know that too because Jesus said so in Matthew 28. Remember before he gave the Great Commission? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority is that? <laughs> all. It's a pretty unique Greek word. All means all, and that's all that all means. It means all authority is given to Jesus, you guys. And that's what he's speaking about here. I think it also speaks about not only all authority, but it speaks of Jesus being fully in control, but it also speaks about Jesus opens the hearts of men and women. He's the one that draws people into, into the kingdom. And so, so beautiful. Jesus reminds them of this. And he says in verse 8 to the church, I know your works. Jesus is fully aware of everything going on in the church, in the church life, in your life too. He sees the things you're doing for him. He, nothing slips past him. He commends the church for their works. And then he says what? He says, see, I have set before you an open door, I love this, and no one can shut it. See means behold, look, check it out. Jesus has provided what? An open door, unrestricted access to do his will, to do his plan, to do what we've been called to do. He says, I'm setting before you a ministry opportunity, an open door. What's the first thing that Jesus says about the open door there? Even before that, he says, see. I think that's an important phrase. It means look. Are you paying attention? You need to be looking. Pay attention to the open door that God has opened for you. Jesus said that to his disciples too, didn't he, one time? Crickets. <laughs> John, remember in John chapter 4? Jesus visited the Samaritan woman at the, at the well, right? Ministered to her. They had that amazing dialogue. Where were the disciples? They were in, they were at H-E-B, weren't they? Have the Hebrew market. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> they were getting food. Okay. And so they cruise back. The gal goes, right? She's got her living water now. She goes to tell everybody about it. And here come the disciples. And I imagine them pulling in, and they're sitting around the well. And they're like, and they urge Jesus to do what? Eat. Thank you. Come on, eat up. And what does Jesus say? 
I have food that you guys have no idea about. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his, to finish his work. But then Jesus says, behold, look, lift up your eyes and see. Lift up your eyes and look. Why does he say that? He says, lift up your eyes and see. Behold, the fields are white before you. You guys remember that? Why does he say that? They're trying to give him shawarma. They're trying to give him pita. And he's saying, lift up your eyes and look. You guys are stuffing your faces with food, but look who's coming your way. Who was coming his way? Who was coming their way? All these people from the village. Maybe they were wearing white, white turbans, white hats, something. Here they come, and Jesus says, lift up your eyes and look. Look what's Here's, There's an open door coming your way. Coming right at you. The field is already ripe for harvest. Look at the, this, this afternoon, this morning, next week, tonight, there's going to be an open harvest before you. Jesus has opened a door for you. Are you paying attention this morning? Do you recognize the open doors that God has created for you? We can find ourselves distracted, can't we? Often we can find ourselves distracted by good things. And we miss the open door. We miss the opportunity that God has for us. Listen, good can be the enemy of the best. Good can be the enemy of the best. There are good things that can distract us from the open door. Sometimes also we can not go through the open door because we're scared or we're too prideful, we're too full of too full of pride. Sometimes we can try to force doors open, can't we? I'm going to huff, I'm going to puff, I'm going to blow this door down, man. The only doors I want to go through are the doors that Jesus opens. And it can be hard sometimes to distinguish if if the Lord's opening a door. That's why we need prayerful patience to wait upon Him and to allow the Lord to work. And sometimes we talk about open doors. Now, sometimes people say, well, you know, the Lord's opening, me a, a, Lord's opening a door for me to, to buy this new car. He may be. The Lord's opening me this door to get a new cat. Maybe. You ever heard somebody say that? The Lord's opening a door here. Do you know the devil can open doors? Come on, pastor, where does it say that now? How about the book of Jonah? You guys remember Jonah, the prejudiced prophet? Remember him? Can't keep a good man down. You guys remember that story? Find it a little too hard to swallow? <laughs> Jesus validated the story, by the way. God said, go to where? Nineveh, preach the gospel. They need to hear. They need to be saved. I want to save them. And where did Jonah go? Opposite direction. But it says he went down. That whole, you read that whole first chapter. He went down. Anytime you're not doing what God's called you to do, you're going down. He went down. He went down. He went down, it says. And guess what? There was an open ship. There was an open door. A ship heading to Tarshish, right? An open, I got an open door, man. I'm going to hop in. Problem is you're being disobedient to the Lord. Oh, yeah, there's an open door. All right. That's why it's so important to pray, to make sure you're in God's will. To say, Lord, your will be done in my life. I want to be obedient to you. I don't want to go through a door you're not opening. But, and, and so we can refine this now to understand when God says an open door, he's speaking specifically about ministry and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because the open door is mentioned in the New Testament. Are you guys ready? I'm going to give you some verses. Here we go. 
1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. And I'm bringing this up because, you know, we pray, Lord, open this door. But is it a request for our own personal, our own personal satisfaction or for the glory of God? And so we're able to kind of refine this a little bit. 1 Corinthians 16, 9. Paul said, For a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And so this great and effective door, the Lord opened for him. And guess what? There's times when you're doing what God's called you to do, and there's going to be adversaries. Do you know that godly men and women sometimes have enemies? Sometimes we rub the world wrong. I mean, we should be. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There's going to be times when we're shining brightly for Jesus that people don't want your light, man. Does that ever happen to you? Hopefully it's happening to us sometimes. So he says there's, a, there's adversaries. As this door's open, I'm going through it. There's adversaries. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Just keep flipping forward. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul said, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Did you catch that? He's preaching the gospel, and what does the Lord do? He opens a door. Again, very important. Colossians 4, verse 3. It's mentioned again, an open door by the Lord. Colossians 4.3, Paul asks for prayer. It's okay to ask for prayer. Meanwhile, praying also for us, why? That God would open to us a door for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. Did you catch that? That God would open a door to us, why? To share the word of God. For the ministry of God's word. Listen, is it, is it possible for a Christian to be silent? I'm asking this because this week I was talking to a lady and at my son's school. And she said, man, as Christians, we should never, ever be preaching the gospel and talking about Jesus. We should just shine for Jesus. I'm like, whoa, time out. <laughs> Number one... Paul says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Correct? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there's a communication right there. Correct? Are you with me? Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to who? All, everybody, all creation. And so... God is, reg- listen, God is regularly opening up doors for you and I to share the good news. Aren't you glad someone shared the good news with you? That's about like 50% of the room. I, I know that more, more, of that more of us than that is saved. Aren't you glad someone shared God's word, the good news with you? Thank you. I'm eternally grateful. Oh, I saw people shining brightly for Jesus, but it wasn't seeing them. Oh, well, they're really shiny. It's cool. I saw them. They were living for Jesus, and they were, I had a thirst for, for what they had. 
watching the way they lived their lives, watching the way they dealt with one another. I was thirst. That's because Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. Salt creates a thirst. But I needed to hear the gospel, the good news, because it's the gospel that is the power unto salvation. It's the good news, the simplicity of sharing the gospel with someone. I am eternally grateful. And listen, we should be sharing. God opens doors for us all the time, and it should begin in our homes. If you are married and you have an unsaved spouse, guess where your first ministry is? It's right there. As you're led by the Lord, I would, if, you're, if you're a gal, you're married to an unbelieving dude, I don't know if it's a good idea to stuff tracks in his sandwiches every day for lunch. Unless the Lord shows you that. But there may, be a, there may be something that the Lord wants to show you to minister to Him. Or vice versa. Or our kids. How else are they going to get saved? It's not just putting them in children's ministry once a week or once a month or however often you put them in there. It's sharing in the home. But not only with our lips, but with our lives, you guys. It's a holy message that needs to be backed up with a holy life. And God opens doors in our home. He opens doors in the neighborhood, in the school, in the workplace, correct? Unless you're working like solo somewhere on an oil rig and no one's around you. Then you can pray for us that are ministering, that are sharing with people. Our lives should be oriented towards sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, we're not called to be evangelists. Not everyone's called to be an evangelist. We're all called to evangelize. We're all called to share the good news with people. The good news of the salvation of Jesus Christ. There is no other message like it. There's no other message that provides complete forgiveness of sins and a transformation of a person's life. It's glorious. It's beautiful. Look at your life. I mean, think about it. If you had the cure for cancer, would you share it with people? For those that are terminally ill? Would you, or would you hoard it? And keep this thing silent. You would share it, wouldn't you? Listen, we have the cure for terminal death. Eternal death. And it's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sharing that. Well, pastor, I just don't know how to do it. It's just, I don't know. You guys remember, remember when Jesus went to the area of Gadara? You guys remember the guy that, the, the guy that was, uh, he set free, the demons went in the pig, the piggies, remember that story? Swine Lake, you guys remember that story? You guys remember that story? Remember after the people come, they see him seated, clothed in his right mind? That, spe- that, t- that speaks volumes about my life. <laughs> Finally, my right mind. Seated in the heavenlies. Clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he got set free. And what did he want to do? You guys remember? He wanted to follow Jesus and go with him, didn't he? I'm going to hang out. With, I want to hang out with you. And what did Jesus tell him? You can't go with me. But what did he tell him to do? Do you remember? Go home to your friends. Can you imagine the friends he must have had? It sounds like my friends. <laughs> got friends in low places <laughs> that need to be lifted up. To be seated in the heavenlies too. Go home to your friends and tell them two things. Don't miss this. So simple. Two things. Go home and tell them all the great things the Lord has done for you. Has the Lord done great things for you? Can you tell someone about the great things the Lord has done for you? Not hard, is it? 
hey, can I just tell you the great things the Lord's done for me? You don't even have to address them. You can just tell them the great things the Lord's done for you. And how he's had the second thing, and Jesus said to him, and tell them how the Lord has had mercy on you. Has the Lord had mercy on you? Aren't you grateful for his mercies new each and every morning? I can't wait for another batch tomorrow morning. <laughs> I need him, Lord. Can you share about how God's shown mercy to you? That's a place to start. And then you can ramp it up. John 3, 16, memorize the hint. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall never perish, but have everlasting life. Well, pastor, it can't be that simple. It is that simple. Even a child can understand the gospel. It's glorious. It's beautiful. It's so simple. Check this out. You can just put a bumper sticker on your car. You can. I wouldn't suggest this as your evangelistic, your sharing program. There was a, check this out. There was this total atheist, devil-worshipping dude, angry, in traffic. He's cruising on the highway, and he's mad. He's mad at the world. He's mad at cars. He's mad at traffic, mad at everything. And all of a sudden, he's cruising, and he looks. He's caught in traffic, and he looks, and he sees a bumper sticker. And you know what it says? Smile, Jesus loves you. And it broke him right there. There's power in the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit broke him, realizing that. It, it is that simple. And God says to this church, the Lord says to this church, I wanna, I'm opening a door, I'm setting it before you. And so Jesus reminds them, check this out, he reminds them in verse 7, three things about himself. Because if you want to be effective to share the gospel... Doesn't it start with following the example Jesus gave us? Wasn't he the best evangelist ever? You go to John chapter 3, and what do you see there? Jesus ministered to who? Remember John chapter 3? You guys remember who was it? Nick at night, remember? Nick at night, remember who it was? Nick, oh. Nicodemus. How do I minister to a religious person? Pastor, look how Jesus did it. John chapter 3. What about an unreligious, non-religious person? Chapter 4, John chapter 4, Jesus ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well involved with sexual immorality. You want to know how to minister to someone involved in sexual immorality? Look at the way Jesus did it. Follow his example. What is his example? Number one, he's holy. He says, I am holy. Again, we carry a holy message, therefore it should be backed up with a holy Christ-like life. If we're going to talk about a transformed life, then guess what? What should be evident in ours? A transformed life. It helps being real and genuine too, by the way. Not being a phony. Not trying to be something you're not. Because Jesus is what? What was the second thing he said about himself? This helps us. Jesus is true. He's the real deal. Just be the real deal, man. Don't walk around like something you're not. Be real with people. Share about your walk with Jesus. The reality of walking with him. What it's like. You, you live, and here's the deal, you live a life that honors God, he opens doors, and he brings divine appointments. That's what he does, he brings people into your life where you will have an opportunity to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord, he is the Son of God who died for your sins and rose again on the third day, and he will give you life. God will open those doors, and the devil wants to stop you and to water down the message. Listen, sharing the truth and love is powerful stuff. Powerful, you guys. Trust also in, Jesus mentions his authority. Listen, trust in the authority of Jesus Christ. Trust in his authority. Who, hey, can, can you change a heart? 
Can you change a heart? Can you fix a heart? Can you fix a life? Who can? Jesus can. You let him work on the... You just be faithful. I'm talking to me. Mike, you just be faithful. You just be faithful to share the truth in love and let me work in that person's heart. Let me transform them. Let me change them. Let me break out the key and open that thing up. Let me work on them. Because what can happen? We can try to fix people, can't we? We can try to like, make it happen. Just be faithful. And if you get rejected, someone says no, calls you a name, beats you up, whatever, you move on. You don't keep you know, throwing your pearls to the piggies. And you pray. Maybe later on you get a second shot. And so we trust in the authority. Listen, God doesn't push us through the open door, by the way. He doesn't drag us through the open door. He doesn't need to give you and I more information. Because isn't that what we always want? If, if I'm going to take step one, then you've got to tell me step two and six and ten. I need to have those steps. Jesus just says, take the first step. Here, look at the open door and go through it. And watch what I'll do. You, we, need, we don't need more information. We need to walk by faith. To trust the Lord. Amen. You bring Jesus. Yeah, you, you be light, but you bring light. You share the light. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I don't got what it takes, Mike. I don't have what it takes, man. Do you know what? That's okay. It is? It is. Are you sure it is? Look at the next part of the verse. What does Jesus say? For you have what? Big muscles, strong powerhouse. You're a powerhouse church, mega church, giant building, giant budget. What does it say? For you have what? What does it say? You have little what? You're puny. You're... You're JV. No, you're not even JV. You're a junior. You're on the freshman teams. B squad. You're a nobody. You're a nothing burger. You're a little strength. You're not dynamite. You're a fire, little firecracker. You're a dud. That's okay. You, don't, you know what? That's okay. Jesus says, why? Because he commends them for a liability. In God's hands, that's a plus. And I hear people all the time, I don't have a degree. I don't have education. I don't have biblical knowledge. I don't have talent. I don't have, I don't have gifts. I don't have time. I can't find time. Like time's lost. You know what? It's okay. God demonstrates, God demonstrates his strength through weak things. Through our weakness. How about in the Old Testament? You guys remember anybody in the Old Testament? God demonstrated his strength through weakness. How about Abraham? You guys remember Abraham and Sarah? Right? God gave him a promise. You're going to have a son. And he waits all, he waits a long, right? God waits a long time. They try to help God out along the way. Right? Produce a Ishmael. And they, he, God waits till how old are they? Like a hundo, right? Close to a hundred. Reproductive systems no longer operating as they're supposed to. God waits until there's no chance, no way, no how. And what does he do? Boom. Here's a Bambino. Here you go. Awesome. How about, you guys remember Gideon? Remember Super Chicken? You guys remember Gideon? I love that story. In Judges, he's got this army. You know, they're going to take on the Midianites. And God's like, you got too many guys. You gotta, we got to whittle this thing down. Till you're outnumbered. <laughs> Till you're way outnumbered. What are we going to use for weapons, Lord? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what the, you remember what they used to win the battle? 
what, what do they have, AK, 40, AKs? Or, like double slingshots? What do they have? You guys remember? They had party favors. They had little lights and a horn. I, I imagine like those horns that have the... And what did God say to them? Just show up and I'll give you the victory. The battle's not yours, but the Lord's. They show up and toot your little horn for the Lord. Give them some praise. Let your little light shine. Like they had like their... Boom, the Midianites got smoked. How about David? Little shepherd boy. You guys remember David? What did Saul want to do? Hey, try on my armor here, kid. Here's, this, is what you, this is what the big boys use. This is what the mega churches use. Our methods, our techniques. Remember what David said? I, I can't. You know what? I haven't tried this. Here's what's worked for me with the bear and the lion that came after my dad's sheep. Simple faith. Simple weapons. Things that are trusted and true. And what did he do? He went out there and took him down. Right? Right between the only place that could have hit. Boom. Little opening on the helmet. Bam. For plunk. You guys ever heard of David Ring? You ever heard of David Ring here this morning? He's a man that has cerebral palsy. And he shares the gospel with people. I, someone gave me a tape one time and I listened to it. And I could barely understand what he was saying. But God has used this man greatly. Have you ever heard someone with cerebral palsy talk? Like they can barely talk. And you know what he said? He said, I got cerebral palsy. What's your excuse? Why am I bringing that up? Because some people say, oh, Christians should never say a word. You know what? My son didn't need to use a word to share the gospel with people in public school. My son also has cerebral palsy. We're on a deeper, deeper part of the pool than David Ring. Luke can't walk. He's crippled. And he can't talk. When he was in public school, when he was younger, um, so awesome. <laughs> he liked on his on his talking device he had this button if you press it it says it says sing Jesus loves me you guys know Jesus loves me this I know so he was pressing that in school and then the teacher would sing and you know what happened there was they were up in arms the school they had a, they we can't they can't be singing this he can't be singing this we can't be singing this song in school Public school. Can't be saying the name of Jesus here. So they had this big board meeting, big fight. And the teachers and the, the teachers are like against the administrators are like, he's learning, he's talking, he's using this device. And they're saying, No, I can't say Jesus, it's you know, it's not PC or whatever people I don't know what the words people say. And you know what ended up happening? What the ruling was? Every time he pressed that button, no matter who was around, had to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. <laughs> So, it, listen, if, 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 if we won't speak up, then God will use someone that can. He'll use the weak things, the foolish things, the base things. Because why? Because he loves people. He wants to save people. He doesn't want anybody to end up in hell. And there's people all around us right now in your sphere of influence that are headed to hell. That's a rea listen, that's a reality. And it's like, well, I just, I don't, maybe I'm not called to go across the world. Will you cross your lawn? And share. 
Man, the great things the Lord's done for you and how he's shown mercy upon you. Start somewhere. Start with baby steps. Doesn't need to, you don't need to give some three-point sermon. Just, man, you share the love of Jesus with him and watch what he'll do. The word of God. You just plant some seeds. Love that. And God gets the credit. You take what you have. Listen, you take what you do have because we're always concerned about what we don't have. I don't have this. I don't have that. What do you, what do you have? Five loaves and two fish. In the hands of the Lord is a great big dish. You guys remember that? One little boy gave away his lunch and Jesus left 5,000 munch. You take what you got and you put it in the Lord's hands. Lord, here's my life. Here's my will. Open, Lord, if you want to open a door, I'll go through it. I'm giving you my, here's the keys to my life. I've taken them back. I'm giving you them again. I will serve you. I will walk with you. I will go through the open door and I will keep going through it, Lord, till you call me home. Because listen, our lives would be a waste if we don't hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You'll be like Lot, a saved man, but a wasted life. And I'm not saying that to, to, to lay a heavy trip on you. I'm saying it because I love you. And I want, you, I want all that God has for you. The best for you. Again, Paul said we're helpers of your joy, not lording it over your faith. You're, gonna, you're missing out. If you're not watching for the open door, if you're not seeking the Lord, abiding in Him. Each day, sensitive, fresh, and current. Like what it says here, you've also done something else. You've kept my word. Jesus says, kept, kept means to spiritually guard, to, to, to do, to put into practice. Not only did they know their Bibles, what the Bible says, but they did what it says. There's lots of people that say, oh, I know the Bible. Oh, yeah, I heard that. I've heard that story many times. But are you doing it? Are we practicing it? This church, Jesus commends them. Not only did they know their Bibles, but they were doing it also. This church was committed to the truth and doing the truth. And not just that. What's this third thing he says? Hey, what? They have not denied his name. They, listen, they wore the name of Jesus proudly and unashamedly. Listen, listen this morning, it is a privilege and an honor to bear the name of Jesus. If you are a Christian listening this morning, it is an honor and a privilege to bear his precious and holy name. They faithfully represented Jesus. They were salt and light. They were faithful to his word and to his name. That is a, listen, that is a successful church. Are you with me? The world defines a successful church as a big building, big budget, lots of ministries, great website, all kinds of bells and whistles. But what does Jesus say? You got a little, you got a little strength. Not huge. I can't believe what the Lord allows us to do globally. I, I, sometimes I'm just blown away, in awe, of the impact that we, listen, that we are making around the world. You look at those names on that board there, those ministries that we support, those churches that are being planted. Listen, one day you and I are going to get to heaven and we're going to meet some of those people that they reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine someone coming up and saying thank you? For what, man? You guys supported that pastor that came to our village and shared. Listen, what, what's, the one th- what's the only thing? We- Can we take anything with us when we die to heaven? Can you take your car, your slick ride? You take your bank account, jewelry, your degree, clothes, slick threads, 
Can you take that with you? Chain, gold chain, Mr. T starter kit type stuff. <laughs> take your gold chains with, can you take that with you? There's one thing we can't take with us. That's people. Don't ever forget that. You can take people with you. You share that gospel, the good news, who Jesus is, what he's done, the great things the Lord has done, how he's had mercy on you. And Jesus says in verse 9, you can count on this. Jesus says, I'm going to make that synagogue of Satan, the devil's church, who are they? They say they are God's people, Jews, but they're not. They're liars. They're bogus. And in context, that remember in the early church, that's predominantly who persecuted the early church. There were, there were Romans and those unbelievers, but you had the Jewish. Remember the Apostle Paul, before he got saved, he was what? A Jew, right? Persecuting the church. Can I just point something out? The devil's got a church. Church means called out ones. They're, they've been called out and they're following Satan. They're following the devil rather than Jesus. Listen, any church that rejects Jesus Christ and his word, guess what kind of church they are? They're the devil's church. Pretty heavy, but necessary to hear that. Jesus says, you can count on this happening. He says it twice. This is in your future. You can count on this. That people, Jesus is going to make these people come and bow down. In other words, they will be humbled before the church. They will be humbled before the bride of Christ. If you're taking notes, we don't have time to look at this. It's in 1 Corinthians 14. I wrote it down. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 to 25. Where it speaks of unbelievers falling down in the middle of Christians to worship God. I think that's perhaps Jesus providing divine protection and notice also his love will be lavished so greatly that they'll recognize it. Don't you love that? Jesus wants them to know how much he loves his church, his bride. And then in verse 10, he says, Because you have kept my command to persevere. Does Jesus suggest that we persevere? He commands. You know what that means? What does it mean to persevere? Means to hang in there, doesn't it? To stay the course. Means to not quit. Don't bail out. Defect. It's our own, it's our old friend. Remember the word hoopamone. Hoopamone. It means to hang in there. Jesus commands that we don't quit. You you hang in there. And he'll help you to do that. If you look to him. Jesus says, since you were obedient to my command to endure, to persevere, you didn't quit, you didn't bail out, you didn't defect. Jesus says, I'm going to keep you from, I love this, Jesus promises to keep the church, his bride, completely out of, from, what? The hour of trial, this period of testing, which what? Which shall come upon who? The whole world, it's going to be global. To do what? To test these people. Who's going to be tested? Look what it says. Those who dwell on the earth. That's used throughout Revelation for unbelievers, by the way. Interesting. This is a test for unbelievers that's going to happen. Jesus says, 
I'm going to take you out from completely. Not keep you during. I'm going to take you out completely. It's kind of like if Tanya said to me, can you, uh, our dog, uh, our dog's name is Brody. Can you keep Brody out of the pool, from the pool? Am I going to jump in the pool and hold him up for a while? I'm keeping him, I'm going to keep him out of this pool. Is that what happens? If I'm going to keep him out of the pool. I'm going to get him and take him in. I'm going to hold him, Right? Well, Brody likes to swim. <laughs> I'm keeping him out completely to myself. I'm holding him, keeping him from going into the pool. I know that's a lame, that's a lame illustration, but Jesus said, check this out. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Look at, we read this. Has Jesus brought us to himself to keep us from a global trial yet? Has that happened yet? Hasn't happened yet, has it? When is this going to go down? This is going to go down, by the way. Seven years of trial, tribulation, and testing are coming. But before that happens, guess what's going to happen? Jesus is going to take us out of here to keep us from, not during, not through, keep us from completely. It means from completely and unto himself. He's going to rapture us up to seize, to snatch, to pull us away from this place to be with him. We will be kept from this aisle of trial, hour of trial. And the means of deliverance is right in verse 11. What does he say? Behold, check it out. I am coming quickly, suddenly, unexpectedly. Jesus is coming for his bride, for the church, to take us out. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your Hold fast what you have. What, do you, what did they have, the church there? Did they have Jesus? Did they have his word? Do you have Jesus? Do you have his word? Hold fast. It means to cling to. Relentlessly, not let go. Or, he says, someone may take your what? Your crown. Jesus is like, don't let anyone rip off your crown. This special reward 2 Timothy 4.8, if you're taking notes, Jesus says there's a crown promised to those who love his appearing, his coming for us. In other words, you know what he's saying? Finish strong. In baseball, we say, play a hard nine. In football or basketball, you say, hey, play the second half as well as you played, or as hard as you played the first half of the game. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me still this morning? Finish strong. There's a, there's a special crown waiting for you. Don't let anyone take it. And look at these promises as we finish. So good. By the way, verse, 12, uh, verse 10 and 11, that is the, I think, one of the single greatest verses or verse, two verses for a pre-tribulational rapture. Pretty tough to argue that. Pre-tribulational, that means Jesus coming before the rapture, before, before the tribulation, to rapture us out of here, to take us home to be with him. Pretty strong, hard to argue. The overcomer, who's an overcomer? The one who trusts in Jesus Christ. He who overcomes, look at these promises. Number one, he promises what? 
He will, Jesus will make you a sturdy, a pillar, a sturdy, immovable, beautiful fixture in God's holy house. Number two, you shall go out no more. No more impermanence. You will not be uprooted all the time. You will have stability. You will have permanence. And then look at this. We get some tattoos, you guys. That, I'm just reading the Bible, man. Pastor, you got any tattoos? Not yet, but I'm going to. I can't wait. And these ones, guess what? They're not going to sag. You know I'm talking about? You go to the gym, you see the guy with the anchor, and now it's a frowning face. <laughs> you guys are still with me. It's cool. All right. Some of you will get that later on the way home. Oh, yeah, I bet. Dumb pastor. First tattoo, heavenly tattoo, God's name. Second tattoo, the name of the city, the new Jerusalem. We find that in chapter 21, by the way. We'll learn about that later. Speaks of, this cool, speaks of identification, of ownership. And it also speaks of intimacy. Look at the last tattoo. The third tattoo will be what? Jesus' new name, a mark of ownership, a mark of intimacy. Do you guys write your name on stuff? You own? Anybody do that? Do you write your name on your kid's stuff? Some of you I know you don't because I look in the lost and found and there ain't no names on some of that stuff. And when I played baseball, check this out, I would write my name on my, on my, uh, my glove. And uh, when I finally, by the grace of God, I got to the major leagues. When you have a contract with, like I had a contract with Rawlings, you know what they do? You don't have to write your name on your glove anymore. It's, it's they do it for you. It's like, oh. I've arrived, man. I don't have to. I don't think, have to get out the sharpie and you know jack it up. And it's beautifully written. That's what the Lord's going to do. This one's mine. You're mine. I am my beloved's, and He is mine. I can't wait for that. How cool is that going to be? So awesome. And listen, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. The Spirit is saying to the churches, "May we have ears to hear, you guys." In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much this morning. God, help us that we'd finish strong, be about your business.